Welcome to the Abstract Doctors Podcast. Today, Dr. G and Dr. C speak with PhD in psychology and co-founder and research director at Illumaview, Kat Houghton. For more information on Kat, please visit Illumaview.com. Visit the Abstract Doctors for information and upcoming podcasts. The Abstract Doctors Podcast. The doctors are in. Open up your mind and say ah. Welcome to the uh, Abstract Doctors. I'm Dr. G and I have here Dr. C and it's a pleasure to have uh, Dr. Kat Houghton of Illumaview. Um, she's coming from Asheville, so we want a nice Asheville vibe today. Uh, Asheville, North Carolina, if you don't know it, it's this, well, how would you call it? Granola? Crunchy? Posh? No, it's posh. Oh, posh. It's like granola, it's posh. <laughs> Posh well, it depends what, what uh, relative healthy. to. Healthy. Right? We can yeah. call it healthy. It's healthy. It's outdoorsy. It's um, yeah, it's a little holistic. alternative bubble in uh, West in North Carolina. I, I've actually recently learned that a lot of well-to-do Floridians go to Asheville for they their for their too. summers. Uh, yes. I'm yeah. like, like, and it, apparently it's close enough that it's almost worth it. So the snowbirds it's, actually go to Asheville. I'm like, Asheville? They do, yeah. They, are, the are, they it? are they ruining it? Are they ruining it? Or is it okay? I'm going to go there? Okay. Because they've ruined South Florida, so they've got to be ruining Asheville. I mean, it's nice to see a Rolls Royce going down the street. But anyway, all right. Enough about that. (laughs) So talk to us, uh, Kat. Introduce yourself, please. And don't be humble. Okay, I'll give it a go. Uh, well, you actually pronounced my name right, which is awesome, Ron. Cat, Thank right? You. It's, it's not Kate. Hall- I know. Cat Horton, okay. yes. Yeah. <laughs> the second part tends to trip people up. Um, yeah, I co-founded a Loom of You in 2009. Um, I am a psychologist by background. I got my uh, PhD in psychology working with kids with autism and their families. That's what I did for 15 years after coming out of my undergrad, which I'm from the UK originally. So I came out of Northern England, Southern Scotland, um, so then worked in, in autism for 15 years and ended up pro- producing, imp- designing and implementing parent training programs for parents of kids with autism in underserved communities. So I spent a lot of time working cool. in the Bronx up in New York, then went to Poland and to Argentina, where my programs are still running. Of course you did. Still running. <laughs> well, um, is, is autism the same in Poland and Argentina and the Bronx? I mean, are yeah. you, are you, and, and are, the way the societies and families deal with it, are they similar? Very okay. different. Okay. Yeah. Same, okay. same experience yeah. for the children and, and to some degree for the parents. But yes, very different support systems, very different ideologies uh-huh. around it. And we're talking autism spectrum. Not, we're talking yes, the, the whole spectrum. Yeah. Although or, most, mostly I ended up working with kids who are on what's called the low end, okay. functioning can, end of the spectrum. Can, well, you, can, you pick, can you pick one of those societies and give us some insight of something they're doing uniquely right that could make us a little bit better here? I'm assuming, therefore, that the Bronx isn't going to be one of the ones she talks about. Although, yeah. <laughs> well, actually, none of them. I mean, that's the reason that I worked oh, yeah. in those those places was because it, the parents just didn't have access to anything. There were very few professionals. When I started working in Poland, which was probably now like 10 years ago, so it's different now, um, there was only behavioral approaches to autism, which mm-hmm. is 
one way of approaching autism. Um, we were doing play-based approaches, which were very child-centered, very respectful of the child and parent-mediated, which means we were training parents to work with kids rather than relying solely on professionals. So there wasn't anything like that happening in Poland at the time. I haven't been back there for about five years, so I'm, I know things have changed. And when I first got to Argentina, which was probably about five or six years ago, um, the group of psychiatrists that I work with there basically told me that the on there's only services in Buenos Aires, like the entire rest of the country didn't have any services for kids with autism at that time. Um, and the only services available in Buenos Aires were psychiatrists who were coming from a psych psychoanalytic that ain't gonna work um, okay perspective yeah. Yeah. so essentially were were psychoanalyzing the mothers sure. and trying to figure out what sure. they were doing wrong it's probably their their, their womb their hysterical womb or their or abuses it was that kind of <laughs> approach yeah wow. so it was really it was shocking to me that that yeah. was happening um so we create i worked with a, a group down there called panacea who have then taken the program that I developed and are running that in, in Buenos Aires. They've trained, I think at this point, 50 facilitators in all 27 provinces in Argentina and have wow. trained about a thousand families at this point. Um, so that's, yes, yeah, so they worked on, on getting that out there. And, 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 and this training and this care is all face-to-face. -face. You weren't doing virtual back then. You weren't doing social media. At that media. point, all face-to-face. -face. Yeah. yeah, then we did put the facilitator training online and are currently now in working, I'm working with them to put the parent training online because they're on total lockdown. Their parents can't get out to go to workshops. So mm -hmm. we're working on that right now. Very cool. See yeah. Well, so that, that right, was the so that takes us first to, part. All right, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that was like 15 years of that. Um, and then during that period when I was finishing off my doctorate work for my, for my PhD, I, I realized that there was, I mean, there were so many challenges with, with the autism, how to get interventions and treatments out to families. Um, and one of those was accessibility, obviously making it available to people that couldn't afford to come and do the kind of private treatment that I was involved in. Um, and that alongside of that, seeing such a challenge for parents in being able to figure out what's working and what's not working with their kids, because they're often using so many different therapies and different diets and supplements and medications, and they're doing OT and PT in the school, and you know, it's just like so many things and so many people involved that it was really hard to see like what is working, what's not working. So we created, that was our first piece of software that we created in 2009. It was called Relate to Autism. It was an online web-based platform for parents to come and be able to input information about their children, what treatments they use today, what symptoms they're seeing. And then it generated charts and graphs and reports that A, they could share with all their care team in a secure way, right. but B, could also then help them try and figure out, okay, did that vitamin B injection that we had on this, did, did we see an increase in eye contact after that or not? To be able to sort of and, and, we're, 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 and we're taking the leap that if the parents believe that they're better is you know, then the child is also better. I mean, I, I know that you're ver very well aware that that those might not be, you know, the, the same thing, but, but, but you weren't taking perspectives from the child because it's challenging. Not to get from them. the child. You weren't using physiologic problem. measures. You weren't, you know, at you know, that point in 09, no. Okay. Right. <laughs> no, but we did have multiple inputs. So the parents were the primary reporters, uh -huh. but there was also ways for the clinicians and teachers. Sure 
to report on what they were seeing too, and we'd amalgamate that all into into the reports. Um, so and, that was and, kind and of with, where with, we started. I'm, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but this is yeah. this is a little area of it, we've done research like this with traumatic brain injury, and okay. you know, we've always got either the caregiver or the spouse or the fa or family input. But but then as as the the folks come out of their um, cognitive uh, cognitive deficits, some of them do right. Then mm -hmm. we start to get their feedback and their report yeah. on those same symptoms. And, Beautiful. you know, while there's obviously some similarity, there's a lot of differences. And, you know, yes. you know and, and it could just be, you know, how the, the significant other deals with their outburst or their or their forgetfulness or their, you know, right. their, their physical problems. You know, it, it is going to be different because it bugs the heck out of the spouse or the family yeah. member. But the, 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 the client or the individual is sort of like, yeah, that's not actually a big deal for me. You right. know, necessarily. And so how do you balance those two? I just wonder in autism, if if we're managing the parents, which is important, because right. or are we helping the children to the same extent? And, and are those the same thing? It, it could Absolutely. be another discussion. but Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the population that I was working with, yeah. the, the kids weren't at that level. They were younger. Yeah. They were usually nonverbal. Yeah. You know, they weren't going to be able to give us that information. But we definitely saw big differences in the from the adults who were um, reporting around that particular child, you know, and that yeah. was part of the, Very what was and, fascinating. Yeah. Everyone and, had a different perspective. And since I want to appear just as smart as the two of you, what? I'd like to, I'd like to know, what's the name of your bird? Of what? Don't you have a bird in the background? Is there a bird? <laughs> Did I hear a bird in the background? I can't. It may be a Carolina wren. I hear them a lot. Oh, it's outside. Oh, it's, okay, it's, it's not yours. Right. It's the world. In Asheville, okay. they don't own birds. Oh, there are right, birds. Right, right, right. We have collective birds. There it is again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're hearing birds. birds. I think he's taking too much Tylenol. He's got yeah. some weird tinnitus, <laughs> and it's just... Anyway. So let's hop to, yes. I can see the connection now, how you get to Illuminate View, yeah, yeah, that right. you want to disseminate it more standardized, more... And so... Um, please, you got to do the, the kindergarten version of what the okay. view is going to bring <laughs> yeah. to us all. Right. So we came, so that's where we came from, right? In 2009, yeah. we created this online platform, which were two things. One is getting interventions out there more available for people mm -hmm. who needed them. And two, having really high quality data collection so that people can do something with that data. Um, then we once as soon as we had created that it became very apparent like other people started calling us and be like hey can we use this for our research project uh, with this completely different population nothing to do with autism and we we saw very quickly that what we had built was applicable to all sorts of research and data gathering projects that had nothing to do with autism necessarily so we created a new version of the platform we stripped out all the autism content and started providing that then to university-based researchers mostly to do studies on all sorts of things substance abuse recovery anxiety suicide prevention mindfulness interventions all those kinds of things added in the mobile apps in 2014 i think something like that then started adding in wearable sensors so now we're getting we're getting, getting more somewhere. objective yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. um data and, and then and stuff from the phone sensors, location, ambient light, noise, those kinds of things cool. you can get from the phone. Um, and weaving that all together to be able to, so IllumaView means illuminating your view, right? Getting a bigger picture of what's going on oh, for yeah, the patient. Yeah. It's interesting, <laughs> the, the folks in Framingham who do the Framingham study, you know, I, I work with those folks, right. and, and, and you know, they've stopped getting funding um, from NIH years and years ago because they've developed a online platform to enter data that they have similarly shared or sold to others as a, a proprietary. Mm -hmm. and, and that's how they're now tracking the several hundred thousand 
you know, right. folks that are still part of the Framingham study that they're tracking them via, you know, uh, um, remote data entry and wearables. Yeah. And, and they are similarly, I mean, obviously it may be a different space. They're doing more cardio metabolic areas, although they're sure. doing brain injury work but, as well. But it's, yeah, it's, I mean, Kat, it's, you're, you're bringing this to the people. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Framingham is Framingham, uh, but you're bringing this to the people, the collective. Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah. What, what, kind of, what kind of domains? I mean, what's, you know, so online data entry isn't that unique or innovative. What, right. what, what about your domains or people finding appealing in terms of they want to use it for their research? What, what, what's unique about yeah, so we've mostly been focused on, on mental health research, sure. which is obviously a very broad sure. category, I think partly just because that's my background and yeah. those are the kinds of things that I'm interested in, in supporting. So um, so we've moved from just data entry. So in the early days, it was, it was data collection, right? right? And what, how many different types of data can we collect and, and bring together and, and put together? Yeah. Um, and it's shifted on top of that then into what just-in-time interventions. Um, so being able to use those data to then decide uh, what what's the crucial moment for this person wow. to get a piece of content or to get a meditation or to get a suggestion to call their therapist or whatever it is. Can we predict what's the, the right time to send that and what's the right piece of information that we need to send that? So now a lot of the projects we're supporting, um, they're they're either directly doing that or they're gathering data to enable them to create their algorithms and they need wow. to do that. So it's moved much more into that kind of just-in-time intervention. So things like suicide prevention, obviously there's crucial timing involved in that. Substance abuse recovery, same thing. You've got to get it at the right time. Like before, it's it's too late, essentially, to be able yeah. to, to make that choice to change that behavior. Yeah, uh, and with suicide, I think, this kind of data monitoring coupled with physiologic monitoring is going to change the way we look at these things. I mean, I've had patients who have seemed to be doing well and then mm -hmm. commit suicide. It's a tragic thing. And I don't, I'm not sure you can, and, and the statistics on uh, opioid overdose mm -hmm. are uh, frequently measured the way they want to be measured as accidents or suicides. And, and, and you can't know what frame of mind that person was in in that moment. And what, what the point I'm trying to get at is, is even if somebody's doing well, if they're nocturnal, HRV is terrible three nights in a row, yeah. they're going to be highly susceptible for this one moment decision that is irreversible. And so, so as we track something like that, it's not so much who said what, who did what that day. It's the three nights before of terrible HRV that makes them extremely vulnerable. And we got to tie those two things together. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, oh, and, right. And, and I'm sure, Kat, you would, you would uh, put forth that it isn't just the moment to moment things. You know, there, there's a, there's some research looking at social media that if uh, the word mm -hmm. Tylenol appears you know, at twice the frequency as it was baseline, then someone's going to be at very high risk to suicide because they're thinking mm -hmm. of a way. I mean, but it isn't the fact that they've said Tylenol, they're thinking of it. It's what their, what their, the, their underlying psychological approach is, you know, how, you right. know, you know, do, do they have challenges with discontrol? And so they are going to be impulsive. And so it's the underlying base. And I'm wondering if your research, because if you've got this, that much data collected longitudinally, you can actually get a richer background as opposed to they're about to suicide risk. They're about to take, you know, you know, they're going to, they're going to suddenly get hooked in opioids. Well, yeah, there was a acute event, 
But, mm-hmm. you know, if we want to make a difference, I, you know, the underlying is equally important. I don't know what your right. thoughts are on that. Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of what our clients are working on is exactly that, is capturing those data over long periods yeah. of time, being able to baseline a person. What is their typical, you know, ways that they move around the world? We right. can get that from GPS from the phone. We can get their typical heart rate and heart rate variability from the wearable devices we work with. We can get how much they typically spend time on the phone versus not on the phone. You know, whatever it is you're interested in as a, as a metric, we can baseline that, that individual. Um, so we're only ever comparing them to themselves. And then we can start to, to set algorithms to say, okay, so if we see like a two sigma variation, say either up or down yep. from this baseline, then maybe just trigger a, a survey that says, hey, we noticed that your HRV is different today. How are you feeling? What's happening? Is there anything you'd like to tell us? And maybe it's that simple. Or maybe it's a prompt that says, hey, we think you really need to call your therapist right now or, you know, or whatever. They exhale. <laughs> or exhale, exhale. yes. Or yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> look at, watch this meditation for right. five minutes or, or whatever it is. Um, but it's exactly that. It's creating those, that pattern recognition. How does this person typically move throughout their day? And when we notice a change that that's when we're going to jump in and say and offer some kind of support and i mean maybe dr c comment a little bit about the hawthorne effect um i find mm-hmm. that when i prescribe uh say focused breathing with hrv device or so forth and i tell them 10 minutes twice a day and as needed 10 minutes bid and prn um and then instead of hooking them up remotely necessarily for the clinical aspect um the fact that I may ask them on a future visit. Uh, there is a, a, a gentle accountability, but also a watched and, and can maybe connect into that social feeling socially isolated. You're now part of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it's a trust and if you've developed trust uh, with the healer, uh, you're now part of something towards health. And, um, well, and it could be, that when they stop, when they unplug, that's the predictor. So, you know, the love that they're feeling, you know, because, you know, you're, you and your program or whoever cares about them enough to monitor them and is giving them feedback and they've got a safety valve, that's terrific. The challenges in people that have impulsivity or people that, you know, are, are, are um, um, have um, physiologic changes to their brain that are going to suddenly make them really not be quite as responsive to things, which a logical, you know, a, a, someone who's, you know, um, dealing with day to day is going to say, oh, that makes sense. They're going to unplug and they're going to go off that grid. Mm-hmm. But you've got the ability, obviously, to say, we noticed you've unplugged. <laughs> you know, you're no longer doing the check ins and, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, we need to elevate the game. And, and you know, yeah. I mean, that's true of any time you do research in mental health, you've got a 1-800 line because right. it's going to happen, right? You know, and, and, and you know, and actually that's the easier case. I think, you know, I mean, CATS research and CATS program really is going to help us with the folks that, you know, we're, 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 we're putting out the fire weeks ahead mm-hmm. of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending, right. depending on how long you, I, I actually wonder, are you seeing that there's a time period where there's, where the signal starts to pop up? Do you have to follow them and get their data for, Three months, three years, you know, and, and it's going to vary. But let's pick suicidality or or, or some other key behavior. Cat, cat yeah. is the 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 anti ketamine. So oh, if, 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 oh, yeah. yeah. So if if ketamine is coming out sublingual ketamine to to nasal, be this this nasal. last second nasal excuse me nasal ketamine this last second suicide savior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you you 
you're not going to have the heroic events with what right. you do because three weeks and four weeks, they never got to that last second heroic ketamine event. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. So how long, you know, how long do you, and, and you can wing it, but. Yeah, but, no, I don't know is the answer because uh, we, you know, we've got multiple different clients working with yeah. multiple different populations yeah. and they're all collecting data. And it's, you know, there's one study we're supporting out of University of Utah that's do, that's working with people who are addicted to opioids and they're using a mindfulness-based um, intervention mm -hmm. to trying to help them come off the opioids. Um, and there we're, so we're using stress as a stress um, algorithm baked into the Garmin device that we use. It is a, a combination of HRV and various other things, including physical activity. Um, so we're using that um, to baseline people and then look for changes. And the study's ongoing, so I don't know yet know what the results are, but we're seeing that we're, we're able, within about 24 hours, we can get a very clear, like you can see a very clear pattern in people's data. This is tend to be wow. where it is. Yeah. Um, and then so then we're in the process of then alerting them when we see a, a difference, a significant difference in what's happening. But I do think, Ron, what you're saying is really important is the sense of them being being held outside of their clinical appointments, right? That there are they're part of something. Somebody's watching them, somebody cares, somebody's gonna see these data. And as long as they get that feedback that that's actually happening, um, I do believe, and I don't have the data to back this up at this point, but I do believe that it's gonna help keep people in their therapy longer and keep keep them attached and you know hopefully have well, and, and the, the concept that when they see you either in person or virtual, that that is somehow you know, that's the treatment event. All right. Well, it is, it's a point, right. but, but there's 23 hours a day when something else is happening. And, yeah. and if you're able to, at the very least monitor, which is a cold word, but, but probably right. support to, you know, interact, whatever it is, you know, and if, you know, I, I you know, th through the veterans administration, we developed a, a, uh, uh, an app, um, the concussion coach that was giving them um, stuff to do and insights throughout the day, even when they were functioning fine. Yeah. So, you know, they were getting constant, you know, support and hopefully uh, enrichment, you know, let's, yeah. let's say they were, they were, we, were, we were enhancing the creativity of their mind by giving them things to do during the day, go fishing, read, you know, do right. some deep breathing. You know, when they had a crisis moment, if they didn't check in or if yeah. they didn't report their pain you know, a level, then there was more. But but I do agree that that really it's the 24 seven 365, mm -hmm. you know, you know, uh, um, kind of embrace that that's important. Right. Can I get your take on uh, something a little more uh, pragmatic and where things are going? Uh, the Nordic countries have, you know, done a lot of research and they really are in tune to heart rate variability. And one mm -hmm. of the companies from uh, the Nordic uh, has some of the best software. And recently, you mentioned Garmin, this mm. this, this company uh, uh, with wearables and and GPS and so forth. Uh, they just bought the analytics from uh, FirstBeat, as fantastic mm. software. Um, and and what did you learn? You're you're are you in that conversation, or where do you see that going? Um, in terms yeah, of I'm, precision I'm analytics, you mean? Yeah, um, I mean, that's, I'm not in the particular conversation with Garmin and, and FirstBeat, if that's what you're asking, but I, I know that that's the, that's the algorithm, the stress algorithm that's in, in the Garmin devices, the FirstBeat one. Um, but that, yeah, that's exactly where our clients are trying to get to is, is predictive analytics is 
what can we what can we gather from all these behaviors that we can pick up from both the wearable and the phone and the self-report and possibly report from others that can help us predict when is the when is the crucial moment that we need to intervene and that, that's sort of been the holy grail for the researchers that we've been supporting for the past few years and continues to be nobody's come up with like a definite answer to that it's an ongoing you know there's such a wide variety of populations that we work with and different treatment goals and, and all the things but yeah to be able to predict ahead of time so essentially that you're getting upstream in that in the in the sequence of behaviors so that you can you can bring it to the person's consciousness before it, it pops into consciousness so all that stuff that happens subconsciously we can make them more aware of that and hopefully through that feedback effect help them to be able to redirect their behavior more more quickly because as you know dr c uh, HRV is incredibly uh, sensitive, but non-specific. So it's sort of the pap smear of whole health. Um, it requires a clinician and these algorithms and these tools to decipher why has someone's HRV dropped? And with the basketball team I work with, it could be their failing calculus. It could be the knuckleheaded freshman's not drinking enough water. It could be the seniors' parents are divorcing. So, so once we integrate and have these monitors and this communication, and I love the word you used, and people feel held because we know trust is parasympathetic, that's healthy. Um, that none of these tools without a so if you're going to study um, these these apps uh, where there's uh, a person, not an actual person, uh, interacting with you. There, there requires a trusting relationship right. that, that you're not just with this product to help the shareholder, that, mm -hmm. that, that you have to feel held. You have to have a background of mountains because right away, there's no shareholder involved. <laughs> you're in the mountains. You want Dr. C well, right uh, off the bat. Uh, 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 something, something that pops up is, is you know, you know, let's assume that your monitor is saying that you're in a red zone, all right, that there's something going to happen because these things are off, all right? You know, and then you've let's let's hope that you've developed cat a proprietary, non-proprietary virtual intervention that'll get them off that precipice, so mm -hmm. so that they will they, their HRV or whatever the metric is, because you get so much data, will back down. All right, and and that's great, you know, and so but that's American healthcare one hundred and one. We're just trying to keep people off the precipice, mm -hmm. you know, when we're like, you know what, you could actually be putting. Um, money in the bank, so to speak, wellness in the bank, and you you're, you you won't reach that precipice with that same set of variables the next time if you build that strength, right. whether it's your underlying psychological status, whether it's your metabolic state, whether it's your weight, wh whatever it is. I mean, you know, but we don't do that. And, and again, I'm hoping you're about to say, but we do that. We do uh, that. There you go. See, that I'm setting you up. I, I gave yourself Thank a you. t t t talk. Talk to us about that because I, I, I yeah. I'm, I'm down with acute medicine and patient firsts of the right. world. But what I'd rather say is, what about proactive health and wellness? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So because we've been supporting researchers for the last 11 years, we tend to end up in those kind of projects yep. where it is an acute crisis. Those yep. are the populations that they're mostly studying. Um, but absolutely, I mean, there's, there's huge applications for this as a preventative medicine tool. Um, so let me give you a couple of examples of the sorts of things that we, we've been involved in. Um, one is currently, there's an um, intervention called MindShield that's come out of the University of Utah, which has been this emotional resiliency training right. for first responders. Um, so it's specifically been developed with firefighters, police departments, EMTs, 
Um, and they have created an in-person and online training, and they've been training police departments and, and various, mostly around Utah. So we're working with them to create that, put that in an app so that the people mm-hmm. um, do the training, maybe online or in-person, probably online right now. Yeah. But then they, they go home with the app, which then helps them build those emotionally re- emotional resiliency skills mm-hmm. so that when they do come to a crisis, because they will, that's their job, they're going to walk into a crisis at some point soon, they have something to fall back on to help them get back down to baseline or at least get a little closer to baseline and be able to respond differently to the crisis they yep, know they're yep, going to have yep, to walk yep. into. That's so, one example. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and you're combining that, I hope, because we know firefighters and policemen have an absurdly high rate of heart disease, in part right. related to the wonderful dinners they always have together in the fire, in the fire um, um, <laughs> department, but also because of this underlying stress. But oh and, and it's important. And, and now people are more accepting of working on mindfulness and stress right. issues. But at the same time, we have to also be working on their physiology. So you're combining mm-hmm. it with that. I mean, I know a bunch of folks in Utah, I guess I'm going to reach out to them now and ask. But, yeah. but, but are right. they combining so, these resiliencies with physical resiliency? With the, exactly. Yeah. Wonderful. So MindShield was developed yeah. as this, just, you know, psychological training program. Yeah. But as we wrap it into our app, then yes, we're going to wrap in the, the physiological monitoring so we can actually tell the users, hey, it sounds like now's the time to use this tool yeah. that, you, that you learned in your training three weeks ago. Or, Let me put this out to both of you. Uh, help me answer something I do in the clinic one-on-one that I'm not sure can cap that apps can capture. So She can so, do it. Kat can do it. So, <laughs> so we're measuring HRV. We're getting people in tune that you want to be healthy. We're teaching the skill, focused breathing to uncouple. Uh, and let's just take uh, one lady I had um, that grew up, uh, emo- let's say, emotionally abused. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's in a life surrounded by aggravating people. She has some back problems. She's hearing about back pain, so on and so forth. Um, but we know uh, that a life of purpose is healthy. Mm-hmm. And so so you're, you're talking about shifting away from uh, acute care health to wellness. So I believe HIV is that whole health monitor. Okay, well, what's your purpose? And so we use the focused breathing for her to break free and now assess these people around you who are constantly aggravating. She starts to get clue that they depressed her HIV. And what's her purpose? Well, we clarify that her purpose is to break the cycle for her daughter. And so, mm-hmm. so that transformative moment of trying to rescue her in the various different avenues she could go down, uh, opioids, stress, depression. Um, Once she cleared her head enough and understood enough to to continue to get back to this life of purpose, how are we going to... Well, that that sounds like you need the Sigmund Freud app. I mean, you know, I mean, to to analyze her (laughs) Uh, life and her uh, history enough to say... You know, we can turn purpose. We can turn What's this very purpose? negative into a very positive purpose. But you know, yeah. that, that that's a she big told, picture. She told me what her purpose no, I, I was you, in a but, clear yeah, moment. But, right, but you, you were her app. But I know. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I mean, clearly, per, um, being purposeful, being productive, having direction is part of it. But that's a tough and thing. And it's to a blue zone, healthy it's thing. Very to blue do. zone. I'm all about. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, yeah. yeah. And I don't think we're at that point no, where no, we no. capture that kind of transformational yeah. work digitally. And actually, I really don't. That's we I don't, don't want, want to. Yeah, that. I know. I don't want that yeah, because yeah. there's something special that happens between two people having that kind of deep, doing that kind of deep work. And I really enjoy doing it. And 
Um, so what I see is that what we're building all these digital tools are, are an augment to that. They're an addition. They enhance it. They help that person feel held between the sessions and that the clinician. So some of the other platforms that we're building will will wrap in the clinicians um, so that if you run have that kind of a conversation with someone then there'd be a way for you to through your dashboard on the website to be able to enter that kind of information so now next week in her app it's bringing up questions about her purpose for breaking the nice. cycle with her daughter yeah. or if she's in that Remind argument them. hey hey yeah. hey remember your remember you want to break the cycle exactly yeah and it would be easy you just type that in and then it would get you know yeah. sent out to her at the, the crucial moment so i see that there's you know even before we think about fully replacing therapists which I, as i said i don't no. want to but, yeah but the, there's that step this, the next step i see is is that is being able to use that information in a way that then reminds them and keeps them on that um so that when you get back with them next week or whatever it is you can see how much you can see the, the results yeah. of that you can just see in her head there's just nothing more powerful than when you redirect her about her breaking the cycle right. for her daughter i mean she can break through anything uh, when she, when she, when her brain can finally latch right. onto that, well, yeah, the, remember the, that, the yeah. ability to integrate all of these whole health measures, you know, yeah. many of them objective, but, but plenty of them subjective as well mm -hmm. into, you know, into a platform, into a dashboard that can then, you know, to some extent, automate, automate some of the output and some of the care to free the therapist, the physician, the psycho, whoever up mm -hmm. to do the work that perhaps only they can do, yes. you know, you know, perhaps, you know, let's, yeah. you know, in theory, 10 years from now, there'll be something more. I don't think so, but, but, but yeah. really that, you know, the, the, the human to human piece, yeah. you know, um, is, is, is amazing because that would help with burnout because yes. I don't get burnout. I don't get burnt out by spending time with someone who I'm, you know, uh, interacting with and we're right. being creative together and we're laughing together. What do you get burnt out with is, you know, like it looks like your blood pressure has been up and down over the last six weeks and you didn't check your sugars and mm -hmm. your physiologic measures are telling me that you're not eating, blah, blah, blah. What, you know, what, what what's going on here? You know, and right. not blaming them, but saying, you know, I am spending so much time doing things which really we could be, you know, um, you can take control over and we can be giving you feedback. So mm -hmm. then when we're together, you are as informed and optimized as possible. Then we can elevate the game. Because I'm yeah. sure you, you know the worst thing in the world is you, you haven't seen someone in a month or three months, and they're they've for whatever reason the connection hasn't been made and they're they're not progressing in a positive way. So you're starting over again. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're lucky, they're as good as they were last time. <laughs> Maybe they're a little bit better, but we haven't had that big data feedback loop using yeah. you know using all these these skills. Um, and so that's what you're getting to. Right. So we're not going to replace the therapist yeah. and the counselor and there's someone to to shit you to help them to 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 find their purpose from within you know that's yeah. that, that 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 fear is out there the cook the fear that cookbook healthcare is going to take away it's like dude yeah. no it's actually freeing you up to practice at the maximum level of your skill set exactly you know, that's, yeah you know that, and so burnout is is a, is not about the challenges of of the human condition. It's about the challenges of the system, I think. The system. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. And that those are these apps can do many different things. I like think something as simple as just reminding them, oh, you haven't had an appointment with your right. psychiatrist for a month. Now here's the time. Here's his schedule. Go. 
press the button, you know, just simply reminding them, you probably see an, uh, a significant increase in how often people are coming. But also, and there's some of the companies out there doing this where they're adding in like another layer of support in the form of like wellness coaches, health yeah, coaches, yep, those yep. kinds of things that, you know, aren't as, as trained as a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but they can come in at certain times and, and provide that support. Again, they're a person there that's actually live. You know, you do a live video session with them and they, they can help you with whatever it is that the clinician has suggested you work this, on this reminds me of a, a, a story uh one of my friends author of uh trusted healers uh and it's it's about england and i can't imagine that this could be done in the united states but uh in all these rural settings uh the mailmen in england uh they're like the on the postman. front lines they they postmen excuse me postman. the postmen uh, or women uh, 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 are going to Mrs. Jones's door every day and suddenly they can pick up early on and they're like a, the canary in the coal mine. They're, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, and part of the help, they're somehow integrated in their job responsibility of the wellness. Talk about feeling held by, yeah. by your government. Um, well, that's more, great. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah, over, over a decade ago, we uh, I, I helped to set up in the VA a, a program. Of course, of, you did well, of, of integrated health coaching. You know, and and right. so you know, we we sent a range of people. Two of them were actually musicians. We had a couple of a lot of teachers and social workers. We sent them to Duke. They got certified as integrative health coaches in their circle of wellness. And you know, it, it's intensive training. It's amazing. A lot of uh, you know, uh, um, using intervention, you know, using motivational intervention, motivational right. interviewing, you know, the, the yeah, traditional. Yeah. And then we set them loose at three VAs on individuals with lots of challenges, people with polytrauma mm -hmm. injuries. And as you're saying, everything got, got well. And they were still getting great therapy and they were getting great physician care and nursing care and whatever they were getting. But in between those sessions, they were, they had, they had an individual that could kind of remind them, hey, you know, we talked about deep breathing, we talked about smoking sensation, you, you got to take your medicines, you have that appointment coming up, let me translate what that wonderful physician just told you, because they know you didn't get much out of it, you know, <laughs> let me reinforce it, or let me drive you to the pharmacy to get your meds or whatever it is, yeah. I mean, and it, 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 and not big surprise, it, on over 900 consecutive veterans, just about every parameter was improved. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, part of it is, again, Hawthorne effect, just doing something. But, you know, it's just it's just essentially having someone to kind of reinforce the positives right. and gently right. nudge you away from the negatives and, you know, yeah. and navigate this preposterous system that we have and, in place. And incorporating a postman. And for any of you fantastic physiotherapists out there, uh, I challenge you to become uh, a diaphragm muscle expert. Here we go. Right, 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 yeah, right. Yeah. There, they have so many people have such difficulty going to get mental health or access mental health. Um, if they're frightened, fear of movement, fear of future pain, fear of future movement, fear of future injury, be a diaphragm muscle expert and teach them how to breathe properly and mm -hmm. couple the fight or flight response. If, if that is, if that's PT 101, um, we could start better well, conversations and getting physiotherapists, yeah. which is a good British or Australian yes. kind of term, right? Right. Linked in with <laughs> with psychologists and yeah. counseling therapists, and hey, as opposed data to saying it's that. one or the other. I'm like, that's it's, so annoying. But you know, but, but yeah. you know, to to right. reach physiotherapists, I say 
why not be the diaphragm muscle yeah. expert? Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's exactly where we're at in America is this like trying to stitch together the mental health with the physical health. Yeah. I mean, I know you, you're both really aware of it and that the system just generally doesn't work like that. I was speaking to a, a liver specialist um, last week. Um, did, did, who, did they identify which lobe he was a specialist in? <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But so he's he's involved in doing um, care mostly for alcoholics, right? Chronic long-term alcoholics that come in, they need stabilizing. They come in with some kind of acute event into the hospital. They need stabilizing, which they can do medically. And then there's some sort of vague notion of, okay, now you go to the addiction specialist because if you keep drinking this, what we just did is not going to work and you're going to have to come back and we're going to have to give you a liver transplant. And that most of them end up coming back and having a really costly liver transplant. And he said, well, it would seem obvious, right, that then the addiction specialists were part of this team, but they're really not. There's really this disconnect. And so he's looking to build a platform that would help stitch that together so that people, once they come in for some medical treatment, could then um, be supported by the addiction specialists and, you know, that whole thing work together rather than as it is currently. Well, which I, I, wa- I want to thank you for using the word held. I want to thank you for correcting my use of mailman to postman. <laughs> and thirdly, I want to apologize to everything that you may ever have caged a bird. So <laughs> Thank um, you. the cage but, bird won't sing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, yeah. And, 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 you know, Kat, I mean, just, just to, to, to kind of um, riff off your last point, you know, you know, the fact that in 2020, you know, mm-hmm. a brilliant hepatology specialist, you know, is working on a team with amazingly, you know, uh, uh, vulnerable patients and isn't right. fully integrating. So, yeah. you know, you know, I mean, and, 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 you know, if, if um, substance use isn't integrated, you know that dietitian isn't integrated, right. dietary, and that exercise yeah. and you know mindfulness and stress management, you know, yeah. you know, alcohol use is kind of like you know cause and effect. I got that, but what about all the other things? So you know, um, um, I, I I hope you'll continue to to drive that train and uh, and uh, you know you know um, help people to see the value of everything that you've been doing in your life. It's just truly amazing. Really appreciate it. And I hope we can reconnect and, and I'm going to do a little more research on, 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 on your Illuma view so I can really understand who you're working with. And I'll talk to my, my buddies in, in Utah and find out about MindShield. It's great stuff. Really. It's just innovative stuff. So, so thanks. Do do anything final you want to say other than, uh, you know, uh, make sure you go to the Illuma view website. Illumaview.com. There you go. Um, yeah, thank you for, for inviting me. It's been great to talk to you and, and to talk with those like-minded. I know that we can we can solve this problem. We just all need to keep chipping away at it. We'll get there. Go take a walk in the mountains now. Walk right <laughs> through your scenery. It looks so nice. <laughs> We're jealous. All the best, Ken. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> Thank you to Kat Houghton for joining Dr. G and Dr. C today on the Abstract Doctors Podcast. For more information on Kat, please visit alumaview.com. Visit the Abstract Doctors for information and upcoming podcasts. The Abstract Doctors is produced by the Abstract Athlete. For more information on podcasts, events, and subscription boxes, please visit theabstractathlete.com. As always, follow us on social media under the Abstract Doctors and the Abstract Athlete. 
The office is now closed, but join us on our next appointment when Dr. G and Dr. C speak with psychophysiological health practitioner and founder of the Digital Sound Clinic Limited, Nigel Agar.